0: going to hop right in uh, because I'm excited to have you back and welcome back to the Bukari Tellers podcast. You must have had a good time because you're back again. I didn't run did. you off.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you did not scare me away. Good to be home.
0: Good. good. Well, look, I, I want to jump right in. You've been on the show before, so we don't have to do our usual introductory question. But talk to me about what you've been up to since the last time we spoke back April of 2021. <clears throat> not how the world has changed, because the world has just flipped on its axis again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but how, what have you been up to? One sec, <clears throat> ah, that's a great question. Uh, I have changed since April, 2021. I have gotten even better at grilling fish and roasting chicken. Uh, I've increased my flexibility and my mobility through morning exercise. And uh, my old fashions are even better than they used to be. Uh, and, and I think my relationship with my wife is better than it was. So there's a lot of personal feelings of progress in, in that journey i stayed so let me busy. ask you two
0: questions i need to yeah. ask you two questions so yeah. are your hips good because i'm working on my hip flexibility so one so- how did you do that and two what you do with your wife because i'm trying to figure out we i want to i want to be able to tell you that a year from now i want to keep growing there we go and getting better there we go
1: there. um so the hips have actually been a point of pain and, and limitation so i've been doing a lot of um you know, like like pigeon pose from yoga, like versions of that. Sometimes just seated in a chair, don't have to get all up on the floor. But even if I'm on a plane, I can kind of do that one. Try to stay open, and a lot of his great hip flexor movements on YouTube. Uh, YouTube actually has some value. So I have a one of the massage therapists I had seen. He gave me a bunch of recommendations, and then another brother who's i uh, been working with. He's like, you sh-, he, he independently came to the conclusion that I need to work on my hip flexors. So. I've been working on the hip flexors. Uh, and then, as far as as far as a wife goes, uh, you know, we've been together nine years now, and it's been really beautiful to still get to know someone um, and to still get to be known. So there's deeper levels of openness, honesty, vulnerability between us, kind of going in both ways that in the beginning of this, I would not have anticipated. I thought, oh, I know you, you know me, you fine. We're good, you know? And it's it's like a lot more to, you know, being in relation with someone um, than just being in deep, like uh, lust appreciation, you know, for someone. So yeah, I'm feeling good about all those things. I didn't think I was gonna get that personal, but here we are, look at us.
0: Look at that! Like we're bonding. I mean, we, <laughs> no, I, I need those tips. So I'm taking them for people who may just be hearing about your podcast for the first time. Why did you decide to do a podcast about being a good citizen? Why is it important to you? And my the question I was writing for you specifically, is, yeah, that helps me in my political analysis. Is what's the difference between good
1: citizenship and patriotism? Ooh, okay, okay. So let me—I'll um, hit you with a quicker professional update, then I'll dive in on the "How to Citizen" bit. Since April twenty twenty one, you've always been on television. I have a PBS series, America Outdoors, uh, and we're doing season two. And in fact, as you and I are speaking now, I'm about to ship out again, so I'm deep in packing mode. Uh, I've been writing for this media outlet, Puck, where I go deep on race, tech, democracy. We topics. get, we get all of
0: that. We get yeah, all of it.
1: And and then "How to Citizen" is the podcast. We are in our fourth season, effective right now. And uh, and we're focused on how we build a a culture of democracy. So all the stuff we grow out of this soil is healthier for us in terms of our experience of it. So why did I wanna make a show about uh, being a good citizen? I'd rephrase it uh, slightly. I wanted to make a show where we reclaim the word citizen from this immigration and legal focus noun into a much more inviting inclusive verb that there was a, a reminder to myself, especially that there's more that we can do to shape our communities than outsource the decisions to people seeking elected office uh, or financing them. You know, in, in some way there's a, there's very, we've been asked to do so little Bakari, um, but there's so much that needs doing. And we are very capable, especially if we work together to do it. So the, the goal of the show is to highlight people, uh, methods and stories uh, of folks who are actually wielding people power again, uh, for the collective benefit and showing up in these principles of how we see citizen as a verb. To be a good citizen, um, in that nuisance, to citizen good, actually, let's flip it. Uh, what does it mean to citizen good? It means you're showing up and participating you know, in your community at many levels. This doesn't have to mean like you're up in some congressperson's office. This could be you're up in your neighbor's business in a loving way and checking in on folks. It means that uh, that you are investing in relationships you know, with yourself, with others, with the planet around you. This whole idea of living in society is not a solo expedition. It's been sold to us as such, uh, and that we have to do everything for ourselves. And if, if we don't, then we're failures, and we're morally weak, uh, and we're not Christian enough. We don't believe in God. Or Jesus, like, nonsense. You know, we are designed to work uh, with each other and with other life forms There's more than humans here. Uh, we... Understand power if we're citizening good. It's called people power. What's power? You know, mm-hmm. getting somebody to do what you want them to do and, and understand that we have a lot of different ways we can pull that lever, some physical, some financial, some ideological information um, and attention. You know, where we put our attention is where we give our power. Hello, TikTok. Uh, and, and lastly, that we you know, someone who citizen's good is valuing more than their individual selves. They're valuing uh, their collective selves. And so we see ourselves not just as individuals, but as members of something else, members of families, members of neighborhoods, members of cities and counties and countries, and, and, and for now this one planet. Uh, and so we make decisions in consideration of that membership of a larger piece, not just me, myself, and I get in mine, you do you, I'll do me, like all of this braggadocious uh, foolishness when taken to the extreme, when taken to the extreme. So that's um, that's the idea. That's that's let me, the story that you're telling. Yeah.
0: Let me ch- let me challenge you just slightly. Yeah, please. Because uh, we'll talk and we'll get to Harry and Megan because I got thoughts on that too. But, okay, great. Uh, can talk about citizenship in the citizenship conversation in the context of what we saw in Memphis around Tyreek Nichols
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and the news out of Jackson, Mississippi this week, where they're essentially going to create a separate. All-white court system and police force within the city of Jackson that's run by its govern by, by its governor and is governing a city that's 80% black. So my question is, what does good citizenship look like when you got cops acting like gangs and people creating apartheid police forces? What does that look like? How do we one? I mean, what do you tell people to to inspire them to go out and be a good citizen? But what does yeah. citizen c- citizening look as a verb in these type of environments?
1: So there are a lot of people who are not subject to uh, the consequences of decisions like those, Uh, the decisions to create an armed gang unit of a police force called Scorpions. Uh, But that decision is co-signed silently by many people through their funding, through their voting or non-voting, through their silence, silence. through their silence, exactly. We're in sync on this. (laughs) And so when I go back through those kind of principles, you know, sh- who's showing up? Right, we are used to seeing the the aggrieved black parent, grandparent showing up. We used to see an activist showing up. Uh, we're used to seeing big moneyed interest showing up to to support brutal policies that they will never live through. And we need everyone else to show up. And be a part of and be present for and bear witness to you know look into the the deadly and debilitating consequences of these things it's inhuman and inhumane and so so that's that's one piece i I think you know there's there's power at play in in a lot of this and, and a lot of folks feel powerless um if you are you know in business with governments, with cities, with police departments, if you're a vendor, if you have a relationship, then you've got some authority, you've got some power. If you are just wealthy in this political system, you've got outsized power. Folks will answer your phone calls. And so we also, we need people who don't look like the victims of these systems to advocate and use their power and use their access to these meeting rooms, to these agenda setting sessions to put humanity back on the agenda. So citizening, you know, we, we, we get this image of like a black kid in the street, standing up the police that they're doing everything, you know, putting their bodies on the line, but we also need, you know, the campaign finance person. We need the, the fellow board member. We need the godparent of, you know, this decision maker to also use their power, use their influence, think about a collective benefit, not just what's going on on their block or their lawn. Because if we are so afraid You know, let me answer one other thought here. I think a lot of the reason for the silence is a degree of selfishness and disconnection. I think some of that disconnection, yeah, is that we don't feel like we're afraid of the things that are different from us. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching
0: Is this what you were talking about when you met? And then preparing for this, I I was um, talking to my brother, Peter Hamby. Yeah. You guys, you got, I've known Peter. And I hope he listens to this. And if he doesn't, you need to tell him, I've known Peter since we were running, well, he was running the streets and I was following him just because oh, that's where he was Oh, nice.
1: Called, okay. In Columbia,
0: South Carolina in five points. <laughs> that's all I'm going to share. That's all I'm going to share right okay, now. Okay, good. No uh, more but details. He's a, cha- a changed man. No. But you were talking to Peter about policing and our quote culture of fear. Is that what yeah. you're unpacking for me right here?
1: It is, man. Because I, you know, if we, I'm going to take a breath for a minute. All right. We are witnessing a deadly spiral of responding to violence with violence and responding to fear with fear, and it will ultimately consume us all. These cops, regardless of their race, you know, we're used to seeing a black cop. I'm sorry, we're used to seeing a white cop beat up on a black or brown person. But you, I don't have to explain to you the history of black cops, right? And and, and their outsides need to prove themselves members of this fatal fraternity the fear that incites the creation of a unit like the scorpion unit and it empowers them to show up without identification in a a dodge charger and run (laughs) up on people like literally mirroring the gang activity they're supposed to be dispersing
0: and it ain't new because you know them red dogs in atlanta
1: exactly and And every city's got some version and they they get spun up and then They kill the wrong person at the wrong time or one too many people or something and they get shut down. And then we have an increase in violent crime in certain sectors and folks get scared again. The media terrifies us every day with these folks gonna come to your house. They're gonna take your kids. They're gonna burn down your property. They're gonna steal your hard-earned money. They're gonna fill your kids' heads with stories that make them hate themselves. And so what we need to do to deal with that is shut it down we need to shut down the knowledge flows by getting rid of these books we need to shut down oh. these communities by getting rid of these people so you don't have to feel uncomfortable what and is so what there's is a somebody... pursuit of comfort at the expense of truth and honesty and growth and it's a cycle that has continued to perpetuate itself
0: and it's dangerous because I was going to ask you about book bans yeah. next as I sit in Barnes and Noble today I, I see you just... surrounded by hey. books on this here zone yeah, yeah. I was kidding was... I'm <laughs> grab while, you can, grab while you can
1: brother grab them while you can <laughs>
0: nah. I was going to I gotta read some books to my, my kids' class today. So mm. I was picking out some books with some faces. My kids are the it's three black children in the class. So I'm definitely gonna read some books with black folk in it. And I wanted to come in, and get some more. Yeah. Uh the book banning I mean, good citizen. I want people to have concrete steps in the face of that fascism. What does that look like? I ask you about police forces and I've asked yeah. you about uh, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, but what about Florida where you see the
1: intellectual dishonesty around the same? So uh, we, we hear and have lived through this lesson, um, this chorus line, this refrain, make a way out of no way. And, and so you, you can make things harder for people. It's very hard to absolutely stop it. Um, I think we need multiple fronts in, uh, in this battle for truth, and this battle for what I would describe as a deeper love and an actual patriotism. You know, you brought up the, the subject of citizenship and patriotism, I never really talked about it, but I think when we're talking about books and access to history, those are prerequisite for real patriotism, which I define as, as real love you know, for your community, defined by whatever borders, a bordershed, uh, by whatever borders, a watershed, a county line, a planetary boundary so we can have all kinds of levels of patriotism but i think that is defined by a deep love of your community and that love is not just like it's not just appreciation it's not just self-serving fawning for the good times (laughs) yeah real love is real knowledge of the truth and if you really love your child you really love your partner your parent your friend you know the ugly parts You know, the trials and tribulations and your love is deepened by that knowledge. And if you're really in love, in relation, they know that about you too. And so now you've got this deeper awareness, this deeper bond, and you're able to grow together through that mutual, honest knowledge of each other. That's not a total Mm -hmm. definition, but I think it's a prerequisite for love. It's got to be based in truth. And so what a governor like DeSantis is doing is preventing children from actually being patriotic. He's hmm. doing it in the name of love of America while making actual love of America impossible, illegal. He's outlawing love. He's outlawing you,
0: patriotism. He's undermining his own rhetoric. Because you can't, you can't challenge it. You can't, you can't really love anything that you can't push to be better.
1: Yes. And if and you can't know what needs to be better if you don't know what's gone wrong. And, and I think, you know, the there's a simple-minded, short-term, superficial. Obsession with immediate ease. You know, the way they've written some of these laws, the Stop Woke Act. You you can't teach something that would make a child feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. So then we're just not teaching, right? right? Have you ever been taught in any domain? Let's take it out of history and race. Let's just talk about piano lessons, right? Uncomfortable, right? Sports training uncomfortable the gym uncomfortable learning a language uncomfortable discomfort is a sign of growth and tension right. and pressure so what can we do back to your point we can start talking in terms like this i think we have to reframe the discussion and it's hard but the more people who say hey wait a minute this is anti-american yep. that's an anti-american piece of legislation in Florida. These are anti-American in the love of America sense, moves on the part of people hiding behind the flag, not truly embracing it. And then practically speaking, I sit on the board of the Brooklyn Public Library. Many systems have done versions of this where they open up their virtual library to people who are in jurisdictions that can't access the books physically. Parents are starting groups where they teach their kids themselves. We know that history. It was illegal for us to read. Yet here we are. So law is not going to stop. It's going to slow things down. It's going to make things more challenging and more difficult. But we've got to put pressure directly and find workarounds so that we can still experience a love of this place. That's citizening, And I think it's speaking out You know, for those who feel like this doesn't affect them. What version of your story are they going to erase for their own short term?
0: So look, what's the latest with American Outdoors and how does the conversation in your work with the show align with the concept of citizenship and yeah. tell people how they can find it, et cetera, because it's a dope, dope uh, addition to the Thurston Empire.
1: <laughs> no one's ever called what I'm doing an empire or the Thurston Empire. That sounds very colonial, actually, the Thurston Empire. Uh, that's That's my name. So America Outdoors is... Going into its second season, this is a PBS show and folks can find a lot of freely available clips on YouTube and TikTok and social media. Full episodes are in the PBS video app on the PBS website. And uh, it's a streaming service I urge folks to support. They don't uh, steal and, and reprocess and sell your identity. It's like the people streamer. So support either the PBS video app. You support in your local PBS station, which for a lot of us is the only kind of local information source communities have. Uh, it's something I've been really honored to like learn more about. The public media ecosystem uh, in the country. It's, it's, a good, it's a good public investment. So, this show continues in many ways the spirit of How to Citizen. Uh, and I stress again, like that show, you know, we got Adrian Marie Brown kicking off our fourth season in, in just you know, moments. It's really beautiful. And we're exploring relationship you know, through one of those pillars of what it means to citizen as a verb invest in relationship with yourself, with others, and the planet. America Outdoors, you can think of as a deep dive into that pillar. We're, we're spending time with people who have a deep relationship with nature. And, and it's people that are not often featured. You know, it's people who uh, sometimes they're real extreme sports folks, but they don't look like the ones we're used to seeing. You know, it's Massey Smith, this ultra marathon uh, Marine veteran brother who runs a hundred mile marathon uh, by choice, you know, by choice. And that's, that's not historically what we associate with Black people running that far. So there's, there's, a, there's a reclaiming you know, of our relationship with nature, especially as Black folk who, you know, some of us have complex histories with the outdoors. It's the scene of the crime. It's forced labor and sites of torture. Uh, But it's also life-giving. And and it's a skill that we and our ancestors brought to this land to make it bear really beautiful edible fruit. So I get to spend time with Indigenous people. I get to spend time with laborers who work outdoors. I get to spend time uh, with folks of every shape and, and hue, who are not normally portrayed as outdoorsy, and uh, and I get to rock with them for a bit and experience their relationship with nature, and thus you know a deeper knowledge and love of the country. I think for me it was been, been a really inspiring, positive experience of America. There's a lot of uh, negativity always afoot, especially depending on what our media diets are, and so to get away from my own punditry and my own uh, kind of analysis brain and, and get, get my hands dirty, you know, get my feet wet and be in community with folks who are in community with birds and trees and mountain ranges and, and long ago ancestors uh, and their own you know, fellow humans through the outdoors. That's been great. That's been great. And I, I think it's a healing thing, especially when we're so uh, addicted to our screens, thinking we're connected. But we're actually rather unplugged from, from a, a stronger source of power, which is Earth.
0: Oh, Day, I love you, my brother. You are doing a lot. How many jobs you got?
1: I mean, you know, that old, um, that old in living color sketch, you know, like my mom used to call me the Jamaican of the family because uh, I was always juggling many responsibilities. But I think there's a through line that helps me stay sane through it, which is, you know, whether I'm on a camera, on a microphone, on a page, I'm trying to help tell a story of who we are um, and who we can still be. And and so I do it for myself. Otherwise I would sit in that pit of despair, a place I don't wanna live, but I'm not afraid to visit and and then come back out of that and kind of hold up a more aspirational mirror uh, while still being grounded in the truth. So that keeps me powered through it. Uh, Also the aforementioned grilled fish and baked chicken and cocktails.
0: My brother, I love you. Thank you for joining the Bakari Seller Podcast. Too, we'll catch up soon, man. let Thank do it you for having me time. back. Yes. Sure. All right.